making dark Isn't it funny how hard it is to start Making money, making art But you're not alone In the unknown of making money, making art Hi, hey, hello. Welcome back to Making Money, Making Art, the podcast where we have transparent conversations with artists about money and dive deep on all aspects of creativity. I'm Kate and I'm recording this with cappuccino in hand on a balmy Sunday in January. I've actually been trying to do this thing where I take weekends off work, which as I'm recording this today, and I suppose we could call this podcast work, but like in quotes work, I obviously did not make it the full weekend but I did have a lazy Saturday and it was marvelous. I tried oil painting for the first time and subsequently learned how long it takes for oil paint to dry by repeatedly brushing my finger across it like a dummy and having to wash my hands. I also read the Agatha Christie novel, Murder in Mesopotamia, so I can discuss that with my dad who'd recommended it. I completed a Wonder Woman puzzle and bought myself a coloring book and just all these amazing things. It was a lovely Saturday, but I had that itch you know that itch just to do something. So I figured I'd record and edit this podcast episode where I had the pleasure to chat with the amazing playwright, author, tuber, and streamer, Haley H. Creates. This is actually the second time I got to chat with Haley as I first interviewed her way back in March, 2021, and then again in November, 2021. So a lot had changed in her life. She'd gotten a job, moved, sold her first play, which a college performed via a Zoom reading, which is just so cool, but is one of the many ways that COVID has affected the performing arts and just art in in general. So a lot of today's podcast will be sort of an open reflection on navigating this weird time as a human and as an artist. And I hope some of it resonates with you and you enjoy hearing from Haley as much as I did. Uh, how's the new job going? Oh, it's it's great. It's been bonkers, but it's, oh, really? it's been great. Yeah, I have I have like no free time except for <laughs> except for when I specifically like carve it out. Yeah. Yeah. I also like your uh, green screen in the background. <laughs> Thank you. You know, we we actually have a special guest. Yes, Legolas. <laughs> That's amazing. My stream voted for him. So that <laughs> is so to, wonderful. Had to give the people what they want, right? <laughs> As you do. Yes. Is that like a full size? Because you're sitting, but it's like, it is amazing so long story short I actually had this I got it um when I was like I don't know middle school so it's been in my parents basement yeah and I just was talking about it and then everybody was like you should you should bring that you should get that to your apartment and you should put it up and I did (laughs) yeah so we talked back in March right Yes, which yeah. feels like a lifetime ago. It really does. That's what pandemic time, the whole timeline makes no sense to me. So, okay, other than new job, has anything else sort of changed in your life? Right. Well, um, I completely moved. Yes. I'm in Boston. So wow. I'm renting my own apartment and I have my own space, you know, yeah. comes along with the new job. And just been busy carving carving that out I guess um Mm -hmm. big a big transition but big great transition from you know living with my parents and then finally after last year getting to 
have getting to move to the city that I want to be in yeah. and full-time job that I really like and being independent on my own. Yeah, that's so awesome. That is a huge transition though. I feel like it takes, I, honestly, any move takes however many months to be like, okay, this is my new home. Um, but then also that is a huge like life jump um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's been really great just being here and getting to explore and it just it just really makes a difference, you know, from from last year, because I, I feel like I spoke to you a little bit about like quarantine and everything. Mm-hmm. But now it's just been it was it was a little hard at first. The, yeah, the transition and everything and figuring things out. And to be honest, I don't feel like I'll have it all figured out. And, mm-hmm. you know, who does? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it's been it's been so, so great for my mental health and just so great to be um you know in a city and like being able to go out and do things and meet up with friends and everything so yeah that's awesome when I quit my corporate job and then moved back in with my parents there was a time where it's like uh I knew it was right for me because the corporate job was just like wearing on my mental health but also feeling burnout and stuff but then there gets to be a point where living with your parents again when you're supposed to be out on your own that started wearing on my mental health as well even though I was like trying to make my own money and start my own business and doing all this stuff um so I imagine I'm sure you felt that way but then compounded with you know the pandemic which at least it's like you have the this everyone's going through this but also that doesn't really make you feel better necessarily so that's awesome that you're you're feeling good thanks yeah, like even even now it can feel really easy to slip back into like feeling isolated at some times. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that it's even more so for people who don't live in the city like me um, and like you, you don't live in the city, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, it's like really easy to slip back into that. And then, you know, a week goes by and I'm like, oh man, I've been working from home and I haven't left the house at all. Mm-hmm. Haven't, haven't gotten out of the house. So it's, I, I would say that it's, since it's very easy to slip back into it, it's all about more like making the conscious decision and the conscious effort to actually, you know, remember that, hey, I can, I can do things now. I can do this. I'm also, I'm also working with a small theater company in mm-hmm. Boston and I'm doing marketing and communication for them yeah so that's been kind of expanding my network and like mm-hmm. um, also getting really great friends out of that okay well I'm excited to talk about your theater work too but can I ask you the first question which is how much money do you make from your creative endeavors all right well I have the analytics for you this time I'm ready so that's great <laughs> so right now for Twitch, my last payout was in September, and mm-hmm. that was $119.75. You're, that's awesome. So you hit yeah. the threshold. That's so good. I did. I did. It's, I feel like, especially with writing streamers and because of how big and small the community can be at the same time, that yeah. like you can't really count on a consistent revenue and I'm sure Mm -hmm. that you've gone through this as well with you know just a small business owner and everything but like it's 
it's just been a really great feeling when I have hit that threshold and when I've when I've been able to say oh I made a extra hundred dollars from Twitch this month that's yeah that's gonna be a bonus yeah and how often um are you streaming now Mm-hmm. So with my day job, I've pretty much relocated my streams to the weekends only. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But recently I've started streaming on Fridays during the evenings, my mm-hmm. time starting at six. And that's actually been just gaming streams, which ah, I've been, uh-huh. you know, I've been really enjoying. I've been playing a lot of Animal Crossing. Yeah. And um, hopefully next week gonna start in on this new Doctor Who game which oh heck people yes. have been yeah people have uh expressed interest in watching me play and like seeing about it before they buy it for themselves so really excited to do that and it's also been really gratifying to um to know that people want to also watch my content well when I'm not just writing you know yeah people are still sticking around for the games that which was going to be my question. Good. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So you're seeing yeah. like people um, coming over from like a writing community aspect. I mean, it makes sense that there would be intersection, but that's awesome that like your personality and their, you know, affinity towards you is like, yeah, I want to see Haley do some games. Um, have you noticed anyone who's like strictly from a gaming world coming in and popping in? Yeah, I've been trying to put myself out there by getting into more creative and like art streams yeah those streamers that I've been talking to are also gamers uh, Mm -hmm. mainly Animal Crossing there's been a lot of crossover between like the generic uh creative and like art communities and then also writing and co-working streams Mm -hmm. and then somewhere in the middle of that is games and you're right about like the personality I've been feeling like Um, especially now that I'm settling into a routine and a pattern and this might sound like very capitalistic but like a brand (laughs) for for myself and for my for my streams and for my content and so far I've really been enjoying that too Mm -hmm. which has been which has been a great plus. I do want to ask on the Twitch money subject I thought I saw that you did a uh uh donation stream or a a fundraiser is that right so so that's actually tomorrow Tomorrow. it's gonna be on Halloween so October 31st yeah and I'm super super happy because um the community actually voted for it I had a stream goal going and I was like Mm -hmm. if we if we raise enough channel points then I'll do a 12-hour Halloween stream to raise money for, yeah, (laughs) to raise money for charity for uh, the charity Extra Life. Mm -hmm. And they do really, really great work with children's hospitals all across the U.S. And it's a cause that, like, I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, you know, at this point, I'm really excited for the stream tomorrow. But it's also combating the feelings of, like, oh, no, what if no one shows up? And I'm sure I'm sure that that won't happen. But, yeah. Um, you know, it's there's still the fear. Yeah. 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 But I'm I'm really excited for that, and I'm I'm hoping that it'll be a be a success. Our our goal is a hundred dollars, and I have like a lot of really good 
milestones and incentives along the way. And mm-hmm. if we if we raise if we raise a hundred dollars, then I'm gonna gonna buy a cardboard cutout of Grant Gustin from The Flash, <laughs> and I'm gonna, gonna put him up in my room. Yes, so that's you know. Hopefully, by the time this podcast comes out, you'll have to ask me to see if we got there. <laughs> I I will. That's what we're all show up tomorrow. That's really exciting. I have nothing but a handing out candy to trick or treaters. So I'll pop in for 12 hours, Haley. My goodness. Okay. So you have Twitch that you're making money. Um, what are your other sort of creative endeavors that you're making money in or hoping sure. to make money in if you're not currently, but want to? Well, YouTube is a big one there. Um, just hit 300 subscribers. So Yay. that feels good. And I've been, that's not where I'm making money right now, but mm-hmm. it is somewhere that I'd like to make money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've, it's been really good making, making videos and making content. And I wish that I could be a little more like on top of scheduling stuff. Yeah. And not making things the week of, but it's, it's a, it's a good hill. It's a good upward climb. But in terms of making money, I actually just hit six patrons on Patreon, so that feels really great. So I'm making $6 per month. Heck yes. Yeah. Yeah. What are your, Um, um, like, what kind of things do you offer for your patrons? So I've been releasing more of my writing there, actually, and uh, that's been snippets from plays, so full scenes, and then evolutions of first Mm -hmm. drafts to final or whatever draft I'm working on. I've also been trying to do some polls there and just updates about my Twitch channel and some some YouTube videos, but it's been been mainly the outlet for posting my writing. I've also been, you know, sharing sharing some poetry there, which has been really really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've had the goal of 10 patrons for a while and I have it so, so that, oh, when I get 10 patrons, I'll release a special post with people's input, but I don't really know what that would be. So hopefully, hopefully I'll get more ideas, but um, yeah, yeah. for now, for now, Patreon has been like the place to see my writing because I'm not entirely comfortable with putting it out there on the internet for free right now Mm -hmm. Um, haven't really been sharing a lot of my writing on stream besides like fanfic that I've been working on it's just been a nice way to to share to share what I'm working on and to share like more of that creative stuff that you know I might talk about a lot in my videos and I might talk about the process in my stream but people aren't actually reading it until they're on my patreon (laughs) yeah yeah and uh is that you're not wanting to share to like the masses of people or the random people who might click on your videos like from a uh protecting your art or protecting from like you know people who are just being buttheads or like I'd say I'd say protecting my art Mm -hmm. Especially when it comes to plays, since I have been mm-hmm. submitting mine and since I have been like submitting the 10 minute plays, especially that I've both yeah. been releasing on Patreon, but also sending over to theaters that I don't really want versions of those floating out there on the internet. Yeah. And yeah. Um, 
because the main place there that I, that I also have my plays is on the new play exchange that I think we we talked, talked a little about. bit about mm-hmm. last time and that that's been a really great resource for playwrights and for contests and stuff so I'm comfortable there and I don't feel like it's gatekeeping or anything because mm-hmm. you know at one point I'd love for love for full-fledged productions full-fledged zoom readings of my plays but for now they're 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 safe on my computer and they're safe behind behind paywalls so yeah yeah I was just thinking about um you the other day too because I did a I tried writing like William Shakespeare experiment oh no way (laughs) yeah and I was like man because other than you I don't think I know anyone um who writes plays I know Micah Vidal writes musicals um which I don't know quite how similar um that is with plays at least for me and this might have been like a necessity because of the pandemic but for plays it's just it feels very singular and Mm -hmm. at times it can just be you like banging out ideas onto the page writing scripts and scripts and drafts and drafts of those scenes yeah very very solitary and there's nothing wrong with that but for musicals I feel like since you know you have to have like the story overall and then you have to work more with lyrics and the placement of those songs Mm -hmm. it's very very collaborative and I haven't found I haven't found um an an opening into writing a musical yet with anyone but it would be it would really be cool to do Mm -hmm. that but for now I'm really happy with just writing my plays and like trying to find my um theatrical voice that's awesome so okay twitch youtube um and plays are something that you're submitting right now yes so actually on that front over the summer and in may i actually got my first pay payment for a play for a zoom reading of a play at it was it was a college in new york i got my first uh, contract with them for a play and I got paid uh, 50 bucks which was amazing so my first paid production as a playwright heck yes and, Haley that's awesome that's so cool yeah yeah it was it was super great super great it was one of my 10 minute plays uh, innumerable and it was SUNY Plattsburgh directed by Caleb Ugly, and that was in May 2021. That is so cool. (laughs) That's so awesome. I don't know, did you do anything to sort of uh, celebrate or commemorate your first sold uh, play? Well, you know, I I watched the live stream with a friend. Yeah. (laughs) And that felt that felt really great just to hear my work especially in a different format than it than it had been in Mm -hmm. and it was it was really really gratifying to see what they had done with it to adapt it for zoom and to adapt it for like the virtual space yeah but other than that I didn't I didn't really celebrate I guess I celebrated by by submitting it to more theaters (laughs) yeah yeah no that's awesome that's so cool I can't imagine it's so interesting um because obviously like plays are meant to be they can be read, but they're meant to be performed. And I think that's got to be so, so gratifying. That's so cool to hear someone speak your words. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. When you're writing plays, what does the process look like for you from like um, the initial drafts to how often do you have your friends kind of stand in and do some of the parts with you? I don't like having people read it until I'm fully done with the first draft Mm -hmm. because I feel like with incomplete works that it's hard to get a bigger big picture of where the play is going to end up being but as I'm saying that now I actually remember that I had a few zoom readings of this of my one of my full-length plays that I was working on last year during quarantine that I've now finished and completed hopefully it's going to be the final draft um haven't haven't worked on it for a few months because of other things and like you know assuming that it's going to be the final draft to submit to places but yeah for that one I did actually have a few readings when I was fully done with act one which provided me a really great sense of where to go with it and the next direction that I was Mm -hmm. going to take with it and obviously that changed so many times I had like seven drafts by the time I was done with that play and it was it was just really really great to see the evolution that it had taken you know like being very campy originally and pretty out there and like falling into kind of more of the melodrama and like dramatics more so than you see in like a regular production to the more toned down version that I've looked at it now it's funny because you don't really think of that as a process until you're done with it right yeah oh yeah it's like really really great to have the finished product but also know that in the future hopefully when it does get picked up by any theater company out there um, to know that it'll also be a living document and to know that it'll hopefully like undergo more changes to fit that theater's idea and to fit that production's um, idea as well. Because the main thing with play production, especially now, and the main thing with, um, you know, producing new work, producing new playwrights work is that usually theaters really want to get the playwright in as, as soon as possible and really shape the play, mm. um, especially if they're a world premiere. They really want to have, you know, they really want to work with the playwright and just figure out the best that it can be. <laughs> and I'd, I'd really, really love for that to happen to one of my works because there's only so much you can do with like friends reading it mm-hmm. and yourself working on it. But that, that being said, I'm really happy with where it's ended up right now and the sort of vision that I want it, that I want it to have moving forward especially with submitting to places. Yeah, that's so cool. So, I mean, you're teaching me a lot. I didn't realize the involvement of the playwright potentially once something selected. Um, that's really cool. And it totally makes sense that they you'd want to involve the playwright in uh, the production, or at least in, you said, like the world premiere of the production, certainly. But that's so cool. Okay. Don't you know? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well in my opinion any theater worth their salt will involve the playwright because because at the end of the day you know you can have the director you can have the designers and everything but especially if you're mounting a production for the first time mm-hmm. you want the 
you want as many voices in the room as possible. And right now we're looking at the theater landscape being what it is, and especially up here uh, where I am, just seeing the types of plays that have been being chosen to put on right mm-hmm. now and being and like which playwrights people are choosing. I personally think, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a playwright, but I think it would, I think it would definitely be a waste not to have the playwright involved mm-hmm. to a certain extent, because um, at the end of the day, it it can definitely be the director's vision, but you know, especially if you want like the extra level of of dramaturgy and the extra level of just insight into into the play especially because if it's never been performed Mm -hmm. before I I feel like it's always great to involve as many voices in the room as possible and I feel like that's something that's been changing as well Mm -hmm. over time from you know the idea of theaters owning plays Mm -hmm. whereas now it's mainly shifted to the playwrights owning plays and that doesn't mean that the playwright needs to you know be involved in every step of the process and have a heavy hand in directing the show because that's not it's not a playwright's job at all right Um, and that can be like pretty overbearing and can cause some tension and friction there but just to just to have as many voices in the room as possible and just to have I guess that that level of commitment to the playwright that shows hey we you're trusting us with your work from the theater and we we want to extend that level of trust to you that's so cool it makes a lot of sense (laughs) it's just something I'd never thought of before that's awesome no I know I know people people can think people can have this idea of plays that you know it's very Broadway that like one version you see can be the same and there might be some changes night to night to night depending on the actors and depending on the performance but to me the best plays are ones that not continuously change but continuously adapt somehow Mm -hmm. yeah that really makes it feel like a sort of living breathing art form how do you find the process of playwriting different from novel writing because you said that like you'd have people read stuff um usually after the first draft or after the first even first draft of the first act is that kind of something that you take through with novel writing or other kinds of writing too or is it a completely different process you know I would say it's kind of the same I like to involve readers or at least people willing to give first impressions after the first draft is done if I'm really looking for feedback at like the very beginning stages um Mm -hmm. I will definitely forward like a first chapter to someone and then hopefully give some thoughts about like the plot outline and everything but I I would say that it is definitely the same with getting the first draft and maybe the second draft and but I would say in terms of my most recent project the one that I wrote for NaNoWriMo last year Mm -hmm. um, I haven't gotten through many drafts of it because I just sent it out to beta readers in August and I got a lot of great feedback from them. I'm still waiting on a couple more beta readers to finish reading it and I haven't really touched it because of because of that because I'm just waiting for more you know extra feedback but I will say that 
I've gotten a really, really great plot outline and a really great revised outline, mm-hmm. I should say, from that feedback. But I, it would definitely be the sort of same thing with first draft, second draft, okay. only getting readers after that stage. Do you feel like you, see, this is the thing with um, like art and the writing process or any other sort of process. Uh, it's hard to compare against others since all of our processes are so different. But I am kind of curious if you feel like you write pretty cleanly for your first draft. And do you think some of that came from being a sort of playwright? Which one did you get into first, actually? I'm going to ask you like three questions all combined. <laughs> no problem. Um, you know, it's hard to say because I think that I first got into like book writing mm-hmm. at a really young age, like third grade when I was just making up stories and stuff. I didn't officially get into playwriting until uh, middle school when I had the really great opportunity to uh, join a playwriting class. Yeah, then. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very very instrumental honestly but before that before that I was even writing like you know short movie scripts and whatever so I guess it would be all all rolled into one except playwriting has definitely been the one that's lasted the longest and Mm -hmm. I've written more plays than novels just because of the nature of how many projects you can do with playwriting you know there's so many different formats so many different lengths and varieties that it's Mm -hmm. almost easier to do that than it is um you know books and novels and short stories just just by way of the the amount of experiences that I've had with writing plays has taken priority if playwriting is kind of the one that you've stuck to the longest in my head and again as someone who doesn't write plays but in my head that would um I could see how it would be more important for that to be pretty clean the first time you go through it, as opposed to novel writing. There's so many more words involved in novels um, that like, you know, I sometimes I'm like, it's fine. I'll come back and fix this because I don't even know if it matters to the plot yet, you know, whereas I could see how if you came from playwriting where, you know, the words do matter so much um especially you know early on too if that would shape how you approach novel writing and if you write cleaner um compared to others but that's again it's kind of hard to compare yourself (laughs) yeah you know I would say that it always feels like I write cleaner Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I have a very clear vision when I'm starting a new project when I'm starting a new novel I can really visualize it really well, mm-hmm. but then whether or not that like usually gets translated on the page right. is another story. Right. Um, that, and that's been something that I've been really noticing from my beta feedback for my uh, project Sword Lesbians that has been a lot of the feedback and the great points that my beta readers have been giving me is like, oh, that was that was my intention. That's been my really goal for this and I'm glad that like it's being teased out but need to actually put it back into the project and like specify it more because I might have this really full picture in my head of what it's going to be but it just needs to be translated a little bit more onto the page and into the actual story right 
Yep. No, that's totally valid. And that's the best part about getting the beta feedback is when you're like, I'm so sure. Cause in my head, yeah, it is such a clear picture. And of course it totally makes sense. And then you were like, oh no, it did. It did not make it to the page um, or not make it to the page yet. So the last time we talked, we talked a lot about TikTok as well. <laughs> I don't know yes. how that's going for you. I've seen some of your TikToks you posted over on Instagram and stuff too, or I get uh, notifications of your TikToks. <laughs> oh no, you really do? That's I hilarious. do. No, it's great. Cause I was like, I, I, I don't hang out on TikTok much, but when I do, I'm watching yours or like hollow taco nail polish. So. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to be included on the same level as, as Hollow Taco. Yes. <laughs> um, but, well, actually, I've, I've been experiencing a boom in TikTok followers lately. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Back in August, I actually made this experiment video, and it was a follow-up to my writing TikTok tips from, I don't know, February or March uh-huh. early earlier this year and I I had a lot of fun just making those and posting them but and then seeing seeing the engagement from Instagram to TikTok but I will say actually in the past few weeks that that a lot of my TikToks have blown up and to around like 1,000 views which probably isn't that many overall uh, compared to compared to the TikTokers who are like, oh, I get ten thousand views every day and yeah. whatever. But if it, yeah. it's a big big achievement to me, it sounds um, like a lot to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually, I can give you analytics for that if you Heck want. Yes, I, I want just, all the analytics. Yeah, I just reached five hundred and forty six followers on TikTok. And my last reel that went viral was, uh, was an audio from the musical The Great Comet, Natasha Pierre and The Great Comet of 1812. So uh-huh. highly recommend. <laughs> um, and that had, that had around 15,014 views. So, and then from there, um, I've actually been seeing my engagement a lot higher in the evening. And I know the recommendation to post on TikTok is like, three times a day or something crazy Mm -hmm. but interestingly I've found a lot more engagement just posting per day or every other day Mm -hmm. that I feel like might give the algorithm time to digest (laughs) yeah to digest my my content and feed it back in to people's home pages or you know the for you page Mm -hmm. and everything and evening has worked a lot better than posting them every single day in the morning. You know, they always have that advice for um, what you're supposed supposed to do with social media content, when you should post or like how often and like what you should tag it with. But I found that it really depends more on the niche you're in than the general advice because the general advice could be so opposite what we do on AuthorTube or like book talk or whatever else. So once you figure out what works for your niche, it's so much better so that's that's very good to know yeah exactly (laughs) and honestly I've been encountering more of that as well as I do more research into YouTube and gaining more um, subscribers there because Mm -hmm. I've been watching a lot of like SEO related 
content and how-to videos on that, but a lot of those tips don't necessarily work for writing and for author tube. And it's just been really good trying to figure out like what works and what, um, you know, what needs to be modified and applied differently. Mm -hmm. Because I, in the terms of my channel, actually going back for a minute, but I've noticed that obviously hot button issues um, cover a lot more ground. Like I did a video on the bad art friend drama yes. that happened a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And, you know, it was, it was really interesting, the response that I received to that. And I'm going to be completely honest. I got some facts wrong and people were not afraid to like say that in comments. Yeah. Nobody was nasty or anything, which was good. But um, it was also just a reminder, like, hmm, what is what is my channel for? Like, what are people coming to me for? And I kind of kind of looked at it like, oh man, um, it was just bonkers how wild this drama was. And that was like my first impressions and just really based off my experiences online mm-hmm. and being like in the writer community. And that was what I wanted to highlight more than the facts where like you know, a much bigger author tuber, like, let's say Alexa Dunn had like the tell all or reveal all video, you know, mine was yeah. more like, hmm, here's what we should take away from this. Yeah, as yeah, yeah. Internet people as writers on the internet. Yeah. And that's the interesting part sometimes because the learning curve for the like content we put on the internet about our art is just as steep as the learning curve for excelling in our art so I'm kind of curious what you are working on right now yes yes so the projects that I'm working on right now are it feels like zero because of the amount of time that I've been spending with my day job and Mm -hmm. spending doing theater work which is all all great all fantastic but it does mean that I've pretty much stopped writing during the week and I've only been writing during my streams Mm -hmm. um which you know I feel like is by virtue of time and (laughs) the amount of time that I have right now um but I've I've been waiting on feedback for my project Sword Lesbians the NaNoWriMo novel that I wrote last year I cannot wait (laughs) me me neither (laughs) Me, me too um so I've been slowly going through that and making a lot of notes for the plot outline of the next draft, which is draft three or 2.5 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, really, that's just been more about writing down my ideas and structuring the outline so that I do have a more concrete plan for when I go back to tackle it. Yeah. And then I've actually had really great success recently working on my rewriting completely my middle grade novel that I kind of went back on last year and I keep saying last year when I mean March (laughs) and I read through it and I was like you know what I this was the first novel that I completed and it was middle grade but it was a hundred thousand words yeah yeah crazy I don't know what I was thinking um but I've been really wanting to update it and to um put a lot more of myself in it with like own voices and figuring out um what aspects of that I want to see for myself in 
a middle grade novel that's especially geared for kids and thinking about more of the protagonists and more of the representation that I would have wanted to see at that age and yeah hopefully just um I've been working off the plot outline but I've been writing the chapters within the plot outline okay kind of a bullet format and writing down dialogue and writing down scenes as I go which normally I don't do normally I don't do that at all but it's been really great just trying out like a new formatting and a new way to explore those characters and a new way to explore what I want to what I want to write I okay I you might be revolutionizing something for me I have my brain sort of ticking away right here (laughs) but I uh have this problem where I'll outline something and then I like to zero draft in part to discover what I'm trying to do. So it's like a very loose outline, zero draft, and I eventually re-outline. But I do think if I had just the bullet points always in front of me, part of the problem is that I just forget what I had planned as I go off on a tangent of something. So if I had the next bullet point there for me and I was like working to wrap it back in so I could always kind of see what I'm looking forward because even the way I set up my Scrivener document now, I have um, different scene cards but it's hard to see mm-hmm. all of that at once while you're also writing oh anyways I might have to try something <laughs> maybe maybe that'll be your next writing experience. maybe it will <laughs> no, the bullet point method <laughs> yeah I don't I don't know what to call it but it's honestly the same way that I wrote essays back in college yeah because if you just put in all your primary sources and your quotations that you want to use in your essay and you like go through and you write down your your intro your topic your thesis and then um you know figure out the quotes that you want to use and figure out the main points of the paragraphs that you want to add and then just fill in the blanks from there it's been something that I've been applying to my creative writing yeah it's something that I wasn't really paying attention to when I started it I was like oh I'm just gonna fill in some notes for myself and some dialogue ideas that I have right here and I'm just gonna put them down on the page but um since then I've kind of like the ball has kind of been rolling and I've been expanding on those bullet points and kind of fleshing out full scenes Mm -hmm. within those and the way that my outline is set up it's by chapter by chapter with like the main points that I want to include and it's been a really really good kickstart for my brain and figuring out what I how I want the scenes to to come together yeah and especially for since I have I have a bit of an issue with um you know linking plot points from one section to the next and Mm -hmm. like having the through line yeah go go through yeah (laughs) Um, so so the bullet point method has been really really helpful in that regard (laughs) I'm gonna try this out (laughs) yeah yeah and it's also been really great to like skip around in that Mm -hmm. too because I'm not taking it oh chapter one chapter two chapter three but like last weekend I wrote the climax of the whole book and I was like oh man this is this is like the point that I want to include and this just feels really great so it's been good to break from routine sort of and yeah while I feel like I don't have a really set or structured routine this does feel like a break from it so yeah it's been you know whatever works and whatever has been helpful to like 
not process, but to continue the writing process in a way that that works for me now. Yeah, yeah, the kind of constant evolution. Um, And you said that you didn't have like a whole bunch of projects going right now since you have your your job and the theater but like that it sounds like a lot of stuff to me too because if you're posting on your patreon and then you're I mean steps with betas but that doesn't mean you're not doing stuff because your mind's constantly tinkering so you're doing you're doing so much stuff and that's awesome that's so cool and how much does uh working at the um theater kind of help generate ideas for you but the theater kind of sounds like your second home almost yeah yeah you know generally I would say that it's helped me visualize a lot more ideas and like just have that perspective on how things might work well especially for the stage you know Mm -hmm. but um for this for this theater company I've been doing a lot more of their social media and marketing work Mm -hmm. so it's kind of not really involved in like the play development process right now but it's been really good continuing the work that I've been doing with like inside looks at arts organizations Mm -hmm. and it's all it's all volunteer right now Um, so I will say that but it's been it's just been really good to have one foot in the door and it it can get overwhelming especially with you know scheduling yeah (laughs) everything and figuring out what's coming up and what's what's happening next and um you know the potential posters and ads and everything that I have to order but Mm -hmm. it's been it's been really chaotic but it's been really good and just having like that that foot still inside that world while while my day job is in customer support yeah yeah I mean you're just padding your resume and you sold one of your plays this year. Like yeah. I will never get over it. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I had to draw up a contract and everything. And that was that was also a little nerve-wracking. Yeah. Because theaters don't give you the con or at least this theater, because they were a college fringe production. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't provide me with a contract. So I had to like go through the dramatist guild and get it myself and everything but yeah. it, was, it was a good experience and one that I have for you know the future the future next yeah. time yeah, yeah absolutely one of the things that we kind of talked about was keeping your art as a hobby um I'm curious if you still uh feel that way or if you've had kind of an evolution in your thoughts or anything like that mm-hmm. well I think that my perspective has changed since I now have a day job Mm -hmm. and that's obviously like a huge major step for me and it's been really great for like figuring out what I can do and the time and freedom that I have now because of that Mm -hmm. and sure I'm not writing every single day anymore and I'm not you know writing during the day (laughs) anymore and I'm have it have it scheduled but I think that I'm still feeling along the same lines as keeping my art as a hobby it would be amazing to get published and I am thinking about you know querying I really do want to query my works for traditional publishing when when I do finish them yeah but right now since it's just been a huge transition period and since honestly I'm still feeling like I'm like I'm going through a lot of transition just with mm-hmm. figuring out my life and yeah. figuring out everything that 
Uh, I haven't really stopped and thought about if I can have the art as anything more than a hobby or like mm-hmm. anything more than a side hustle. And right now I'm still I'm still really happy with that. Like I said, it would be it's always amazing when I do hit the payout threshold on Twitch and it will be amazing putting this out there now will be amazing when I hit that threshold for YouTube when I'm Mm -hmm. finally able to get monetized Um, but for now like I'm able to I feel like I'm able to prioritize those more because of the stability that I've gained yes stability is such a huge thing we kind of talked about it but can you let everyone know where they can find you online (laughs) yes actually things have changed so i'm actually Haley h creates on youtube instagram tiktok patreon kofi um twitch yes major major one and i believe that's it so if you search for just my username Haley h creates and that's Haley with a y you'll find me on all those platforms. That's awesome. I think it's so smart to try and get all of them to be the same when you can. I'm over here with like, sometimes I'm Kate Cavanaugh, sometimes I'm Cavanaugh Rights, sometimes I'm Kate Cavanaugh Rights. <laughs> One of these days I'll, I'll merge them all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it awesome. Was, it was a good decision. I felt to merge them all and like become this brand one <laughs> like we yes a unified yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> well thank you so much Haley I had a wonderful time also thank you to Legolas for always being there in the corner <laughs> it's wonderful <laughs> thank you so much for having me yes this, this is a really great time oh man I absolutely loved getting to chat with Haley again each time I've chatted with her I've learned another resource or two that I wasn't even aware existed it is so cool how truly deep you can dive into individual arts so like while we're both writers what she examines as a playwright as well feels like a very foreign world to me I cannot wait to learn more but I will be sure to link the new play exchange, the place Haley listed and sold her first play for y'all in the show notes. The new play exchange, by the way, touts itself as the world's largest digital library of scripts by living writers, which is very cool. As is how Haley sought out help writing up a contract from the Dramatist Guild, also linked in the show notes, which was formed way back in 1919 and states it's a professional organization for playwrights, composers, and lyricists working in the U.S. theater market. Membership as an associate member is open to any person having written at least one stage play. I think it goes to show how we're never truly alone, even as art and its sort of initial expression can feel very solitary. And I hope this podcast episode helped you feel less alone too. And to include one last personal note, I'm actually finishing up the fourth draft of Project Death right now, and I've implemented a version of Haley's bullet point method for writing. So now, before I start drafting each new scene, I put about two bullet points from the prior scene, all the bullet points I need for the current scene, and a couple bullet points that I'm working toward for the next scene, and it has been so incredibly helpful to see a version of my outline in more manageable, workable chunks. But that is going to be it for this episode. If you're interested in me or my work, I did take Haley's advice and condensed all my socials into one name. So if you search Kate Kavanaugh Writes, you'll be able to find me on YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find me as Kate Kavanaugh on Patreon or Ko-fi. The music for Making Money and Making Art was created by the wonderfully talented Michael Vidal, and I will see you all next week. Happy creating. Making money, making art.